Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and also web streaming on a Tuesday night at www.triplehfm.com.au and also at podcasts.com shortly after that and wherever else you pick up your podcasts at iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. Well, we now live in unprecedented times. The recent announcements by the National Rugby League and the Australian Football League have now virtually plunged all of sport into darkness, or at least into hiatus, into a COVID-19-induced long-term period of dormancy in times unprecedented in this country's history. Over this hour and in coming weeks, we will continue to investigate how COVID-19, the dreaded coronavirus, has affected all sports locally, in particular in this Hornsby and Karingai district, and to a view as to what happens next, what the future perhaps looks like, where do we go from here. To that end, regular, planned, scheduled reviews and previews may very well be shelved. You have to keep listening to this program and keep watching this space, particularly our Facebook page, that is The Bench Triple H, T-H-E-B-E-N-C-H, and then H-H-H after that for more information. But we are going to concentrate on what COVID-19 has meant and is meaning for all of our major local sporting codes in coming weeks and in coming months. Our main source for that will be going back to replays we have conducted on the bench on Friday nights with those affected individuals and affected clubs. So it made sense to start with the Asquith Magpies, perhaps the highest profile club or one of the highest profile clubs in the Hornsby and Kiringai districts, playing uh, regularly as they do when the season is up and running in the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield, as they have done for the last seven years. They are pretty much the flagship code, rugby league that is, and the flagship club for sport in this district, or one of the major ones anyway. So it made sense to go to the Magpies first to see how the decision to shut down sport for the short to medium term has affected them. Remembering, of course, that the New South Wales Rugby League shut down all of their competitions a week before the Australian Rugby League and the National Rugby League Commission did. We brought on Pat Wisner, a good friend of us here at the bench and at Splinters, and we started by asking him when he knew, when he heard, and how it has affected the decision to shut down, that is, affected him and his club. For the Asquith Magpies, um, it's all ground to a halt after last Sunday's loss to St Mary's. They were looking forward to the match against the Hills District Bulls that we were going to broadcast this Sunday. We won't be doing that now. And online we've got someone who, well, he may be trying to avoid the house chores for a little while. He's the uh, Asquith Magpies head coach, Pat Wisner, and he's uh, taken some time out from his schedule to join us. Good evening to you, Pat. 
Yeah, good day, Tony. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Well, first of all, very briefly, um, you would have been pleased with the way both sides in Shield and Massey went last Sunday, both going down uh, unluckily, both leading going into the last 20 minutes of their matches and somehow um, various factors uh, contrived to go against them. Yeah, look, we, we went there knowing both games were going to be really difficult. Um, not many teams go there and win you know, a, game, a win in either grade, so to try and win both grades was going to be tough. But, um, yeah, look, we, we thought we played well enough to win both games. We were pretty disappointed with some calls that went against us in, in both games and we voiced that to uh, New South Wales Rugby League and basically we give an apology about some calls in both games if we felt the obvious of a chance to close those games out. Um, yeah, it leaves a bit of a bit of taste in your mouth. I'm not going to lie about that. But, yeah, we did play well, but at the end of the day, it's just two losses, so we're going to sit on that for a couple of months now. Well, that's going to be the thing. We'll come to the couple of months in a moment. You would have been pleased with the way some of the players uh, gelled in both grades, particularly the halves combination in the Massey Cup. Um, it was the Achilles heel at times. Got to make no bones about that, I thought, last season. But Manai Rudolph and Josh Nichols seem to have gelled and have developed a combination, particularly with Dylan O'Connor at the back, and that would have been pleasing. Yeah, it was. Look, we only, we only had Dylan to one training session as well, so that was um, was always going to be a little bit difficult for Dylan. I think he would have got better and better. Um, we actually thought we had Bergman uh, at one up until sort of late on in the week when Crichton pulled out of the NRL. So that disrupted us a little bit. But Manaya and Zach, I thought they were really good. And, you know, we scored 32 points with 15 minutes to go, and a lot of that was on the back of the creativity they provided. Um, look, we would have liked to have had more settled halves last year. It just wasn't the case with, with Riley Travers being injured a lot and... Zach Nichols coming in late, um, Blake Goodman being injured and going up to North, we were, we were very unsettled there and obviously losing Hanetti Tua midway through the year as well, so we didn't have the continuity which we hope we would have had this year. Um, you know, if we can keep those two guys on the path, we think we'll, we'll have a lot of points in it, that's for sure. And uh, Zach Nichols's kicking game was uh, outstanding, one of the best kicking games I've seen from an Asquith halfback in some time. Yeah, it was. He, he put on some nice tries with the boot and he's a confidence player, Zach, and I think a lot of that comes from his kicking game and when that's going well and he can create points with it I think the rest of his game gets better as well so um, obviously having Manaya there helps him a bit too Manaya's a good kicker himself so it takes a little bit of pressure off him and there were times last year I think towards the end Zach felt like everything was on, on sort of his, his boot um, which put a bit, a bit too much pressure on him and, and then we come up short but yeah it was really good signs as I said I think we had 32 points with 15 minutes to go and we had a repeat set on the try line there and I, I felt we were ready to come away with some more points and I probably think we would have gone on and won that game comfortably, but um, some calls went against us, which, which changed things. But there was definitely nothing wrong with our attack. I thought we were really good. The def- the goal line defence, though, I know it's early in the season, not so much in the last 15 minutes, uh, because after the Manaya Rudolph send-off, well, that was just the turning point of the game. But it probably would have been a bit of a, a worry early doors that some of the tries that were scored from close range, from fairly simple forward plays running angles stock standard angles against the grain uh, seemed to be rather uh, easily let in, let's just put it that way. They were, yeah, that was the disappointing part of it, about the game for sure was our defence. I think last year we had the second best defence out of all competitions. Um, we really prided ourselves on that and we, we kept seeing some nil a couple of times and so it was disappointing to see those tries go in, albeit some areas of quality team, but um, you know, when we had a look at video we kind of realised what we did wrong and we wanted that chance to fix that this week. I think we would have, we've been pretty good at Assisting things over the last couple of years defensively, um, you know, but it obviously didn't get the chance to do that. But 
as you said, I don't take anything out of the last 15 minutes when we're down to 12. That was just chaos after that. And the try that got them to level was, was also a no try. And was, we were told it was an obstruction by the South Wales Rugby League. So there's a lot of things that went against after that. But, you know, in saying that, I, I think when we went down to 12, they shouldn't have probably been as close to us as they were had our defence been better. Indeed. Um, and, well, I'm not going to ask you about the Manai Rudolph send-off. Um, and it's turned out that he didn't uh, even front the match review committee, certainly didn't front any tribunals, and uh, he was basically let off with nothing more than a caution and a quiet apology. All right, take us through the events of this week. Uh, when did you get word that things were going to turn out the way they did and the competition was about to be sent into lockdown? Yeah, look, we, we kind of heard that this was on the cards probably about 24 hours before New South Wales Rugby League um, did the press release. I think they released that Wednesday morning. Um, well, I, I know there was a meeting on Tuesday of all clubs via video link. That's what, that that's was what right. I heard. Yeah, that's, that's when we were sort of told of what, where it was heading. Um, but in saying that, look, it's, it's obviously a lot of uncertainty around it. Um, a lot of uncertainty for New South Wales Rugby League, which is not their fault, and a lot of uncertainty everywhere, I think, in every industry at the moment. But we were told about it then, and it's, we've been given a few dates of when we're likely to return, but in saying that, there's no reason why those goalposts won't get moved again. I don't think anybody can predict what's going to happen over the next month or six weeks. We can only hope that things go the right way and, and we can get some football back on and everybody can kind of go back to some sort of normality because it's been just chaos, um, you know, for everybody, I think, not just football. So, um, yeah, disappointing that we just got to kind of take it day by day and week by week. How hard is it, because there's also uh, the New South Wales Rugby League and uh, alongside most sports have put in this no-training edict where players are not allowed to gather together to train. How hard does that make it now to plan players' fitness? How hard is it to try and keep a tab on players? Because you're forcing players now to do their own training, you give them programs... But they could go to a gym, and that gym already has 100 people in it. So what happens? Does someone stand out the front of the counter and say, sorry, you can't go in, we're waiting for three people to leave before you can go in? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if a player was to come to me and say that they don't feel comfortable going to a gym in the current climate, I'm certainly not going to challenge them on that. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's really impossible at the moment. I know a lot of clubs are giving personal programs out to players, and, and we can do that. But at the end of the day, it's really down to personal choices, what players do and what they don't. Um, we're going to try and keep, you know, monitor on guys' weights, and we know that obviously when these things happen, guys are, can get a bit comfortable in the lounge and put on a bit of weight, and we're not going to have the time for the players to get back to fit again uh, if they come back out of shape. And I guess that's all we can do really at the moment, just warn them of that. That look, if you come back overweight and out of shape, you're not going to have time to lose it. You're not going to be playing football where you want. And I know all the guys are missing match payments; they want to be playing on Matthew Cup and high level as they can. So it's up to them to look after themselves, but. In saying that, I, you know, I really feel sorry for a lot of them as well. You know, they need these match payments, and um, you know, they they've looked forward to this season for a long time. They've been training for four or five months, so uh, you know, there's a bit of disillusionment there from the boys. Um, yeah, it's tough. I'm not going. I'm definitely not going to be the guy to force the guys to go to a gym if they don't feel comfortable doing it. Indeed. So, what has the club done? I mean, you've what? Are you going to give out personal training programs to players to try and keep fit? Are you going to be contacting them weekly or fortnightly in this period up to May 31? What's the battle plan? Yeah, at the moment, we've basically told the guys, look, it's so raw at the moment, and we just don't know what's going to further transpire in the next week. So, at the moment, we've given them this week off. Um, we've penciled in Wednesday to get in touch with everybody again, and at that time, we'll have 
individual cars are for them. But as you said, that if, if gyms are available, if gyms aren't, aren't available, we've got some stuff they can do at home. Uh, we've set up something where we can monitor their weights weekly as well. But outside of that, to be honest, there's not a whole lot we can do. Self-isolation for a lot of people, um, rather than monitor what the guys are doing and, and encourage them to do some stuff uh, themselves, we really can't force them to do so much. Yeah. Um, I know we've got a really good group of guys in saying that, guys that I've coached for a while. Um, do I trust? So I know that you know, they're not going to let the go too much. Um, but as I said, it's, just, it's going to be a lot of up to the individuals and individual choices. And, and all we can do is give them the program, give them the guide, and um, fingers crossed that they do it. How hard is it then for some of these guys you mentioned, payments? All these guys work. They, they're not on big salaries like the, the Joey Leilua's who were... Uh, whining and whinging about taking a pay cut from their 100, 200, 300, 400k uh, NRL salaries. These guys work, and in some of these industries, there could be stand downs, which means they don't get paid there. Now, if they're not getting paid there and not getting their match payments from football, that makes it hard for blokes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you know, as I've said to, to our president, Brian, who's one of the best leaders I've worked with, that you know, the mental health side of this, um, we haven't even touched, you know, scratch the surface on what happened to a few guys, which is sad. But as you said, guys are going to lose their jobs, um, whether they're at our club or other clubs, I've no doubt it's going to affect guys in certain industry. I mean, we've got staff members who work at the airport. Um, you know, they've lost hours already. And, and you know, unfortunately, just be the beginning of that. So, you know, football's, you know, although we, we treat it very seriously, but the bigger picture is with it, you know, there's a lot more going on the outside of this. And, you know, even from, from the perspective of the clubs, all the clubs like your Hills Districts and your Burwoods and Blackdowns who rely on sponsors, I mean, how are they going to get the money off the sponsors for their for their season if the sponsors are all, you know, the businesses are struggling and going under themselves? Um, whether those clubs survive is a huge issue as well. It's not just about the players, it's about the clubs as well. And you know, even those clubs like Tara, I mean, on big they might have um, caps on how many people can enter the club at certain times and at the end of the day I think everybody is affected by this financially um, not just the players so it's, it's going to be really interesting what happens down the line when we do get back into it whether clubs can survive um, you know even though it's a short season I, I can see a lot of sponsors just not having the financial um, backing to be able to support football at this stage You say when we get back what's your gut feeling about the rest of this season. Um, are we going to get back on May 31? Are we going to come back in June? I can tell you my gut feeling is we could be bunkered down for something longer than that. We might be done for the year in the worst-case scenario. What's your gut feeling? Yeah, look, honestly, I, I couldn't give you a gut, a gut feeling. I don't disregard what you said, that's for sure. I think that's um, a definite possibility. Um, at the moment, all I can do is go on the information I got, which says that um, the date should be end of May, early June. Um, but as I said before, it's a week-to-week thing. And, you know, I work as a fireman, so I see, you know, a lot of what happens uh, in the health industry as well close up. And, and to be honest, there's just so much uncertainty about it. I really don't know. And if we didn't play another game of football this year, I definitely wouldn't be surprised, that's for sure. But, you know, I'm hopeful that um, every all the measures and, and uh, the systems that are going in place can get us back on the field. But am I confident? No, I'm not. Definitely not. How devastating would it be and what would it mean to your group of players if it was worst-case scenario and there was no more football this year? Yeah, mate, they'd be devastated. I know they would. I know after that game, even though we lost, um, as you said, we felt like we, we were in a pretty good position to win that game and if you're in a good position to beat St Mary's at St Mary's when they're at full strength, 
I think generally you're going to have a pretty good season, um, you know, and that's what we, we, we felt we're going to have. And we, the boys definitely felt that after the game. So to have that taken away from us and, um, you know, not to play any football would be devastating. Um, if that was to happen, you just got to hope that the guys stick around for the year after. Um, as, a, as you said, though, things, things will change in people's lives. They might not have time for football. They might have to work overtime to try and make some money up that they've lost and, and they don't have time to commit to football and, you know, same as staff. So it's just, it's, it's so up in the air at the moment, so much uncertainty. It's really hard to have a clear direction where they're going. What about then from a club level? You mentioned Brian Fulman, you mentioned Peter O'Brien, you've mentioned uh, the hardworking committee, Michelle Kelly, amongst others. Uh, when will this committee meet again? When will you meet with the board? When will you sit down and sort out the next few weeks or months? I, I presume there's a meeting that's set down for some time next week again or the week after? Yeah, I know the club, um, the board and, and the, the lease club directors had a meeting on Wednesday. Obviously, um, there's a lot of stuff that, that's been happening around you know, public places and how many people are allowed to come in and all that sort of stuff. So they're across all that. Um, yeah, I guess the next thing will be football. Let's we find out a bit more about um, confirmation of what the draws going to look like if we go ahead on that date. How certain they are that we are going to go ahead um, on that date. Um, you know, we'll make they'll make some decisions from there. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's really not a lot as a coach I can do at the moment. It's, it's obviously um, decisions that'll be made if anything changes will be made from above me. Um, but again, I think they'd be relying on a bit more information than they've got at the moment. Um, although that press release came out, New South Wales gave that press release. There's been no indication of when um, that will be confirmed, or whether it'll it'll get changed, or when they'll reassess um, what's happening at the moment. Whether that's the right pathway or the right deadlines, it's, it's, I think everybody probably just needs to sit back and take a breath for a week or two, and then try and uh, try and find the right direction after that. And cross our fingers that this doesn't get out of control in the meantime. Hundred percent, exactly, mate. I mean, it's, I'm sure you guys are the same. Um, you know, you don't have games to cover now, so it makes it really difficult for you as well and, and all the sponsors everybody relies on are not getting what they paid for so it's, it's really up in the air at the moment it's really sad I know a lot of people are going to be affected by it probably a lot more than I am you know they're the people who like I said rely on the match payments and, and work in different industries where they might be worried about their job you know I'm personally lucky I'm a fireman so I mean fire brigades are not going to close um, but I really feel for a lot of the guys in our team and our staff and our board and everybody who works so hard for this and, and everybody you know in, in rugby league, and um, it's, it's just so much uncertainty. It's really difficult to, to point uh, point everyone in the right direction at the moment with so much uncertainty about what is this? How long is it going to last? Nobody knows. You know, it's, it's horrible. Um, well, I can tell you, we just mentioned that we will be continuing. We will be continuing Sunday afternoon program. We're going to be diving into the replays. You probably won't be too happy about the first replay that we're probably going to play, which is. Given that it's Hills District Bulls versus Asquith, that was the match we were going to cover on Sunday, we are going to go back to that semi-final at Leichhardt last year because that's the last time that Hills District Bulls and Asquith did play. In fairness, it was probably one of the best games of the final series uh, last year uh, that we will replay on Sunday at 3 o'clock. Now, that means we probably you probably won't listen, which is understandable, but from a purist perspective, to at least get some football to give... Uh, some sort of uh, entertainment and a smile on people's faces, it's better than the alternative. Yeah, look, I, I'll be straight with you. I've probably watched every game of Ron Matthew the last you know, two, three years of, of every team. I watch every game, every team's matches every week on our on our huddle program. But I can tell you with, with a straight face, I definitely haven't watched the Hills versus Asquith semi-final ever again, and I'll probably never watch it. Uh, but yeah, 11-10 was, was a cracking game, and both teams could have won, and 
I think if we'd have defended that well on the weekend, um, there probably wouldn't have been as much controversy at full time. That's sure we probably still would have won, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good game. And, yeah, I'm sure, sure a lot of Hill supporters will listen to that one again. I suppose so. Now, what about yourself then personally? How does this... You say you feel sorry for all of the others. What about yourself personally? You love your football. You're probably a self-confessed... You've just mentioned you've watched every Ron Massey Sydney Shield game for the last two years. Um, self-confessed football nerd, more than likely. Um, has the... Uh, has she who must be obeyed tried to chase you for the house chores? Has she got things marked down for you for the next few weeks on Saturdays and Sundays? Or... Are you going to try and make yourself scarce? How does yeah, it work? Yeah, I've definitely been handed down for a few chores that I'd uh, put on hold to the end of the football season. They've now come to the to the front of the line. Um, but look, I've got two daughters as well, so I'll spend. A, luckily, I get to spend a bit more time with them on the weekends. Um, to be honest, they're five and seven years old, so they don't understand what football is. They just know it's something that daddy goes through um, on the weekend, so they'd be quite happy that football's over. But um, yeah, just spend a bit more time with them and, and you know trying to. Try and spend some time with my family and friends that you don't get to spend um, during football season. But yeah, I, I definitely miss it. I already miss it. I'm watching. You know, I was watching Penrith and George at the start of the game, and I was, um, you know, I was guilty that we didn't have a game this weekend. And um, just fingers crossed, things all work out, and we can get back to some normality in, in a couple of months. How weird do you find, from uh, a spectator's perspective, watching these games in front of no spectators, in front of empty? Uh, Empty stadiums, empty hills, empty grandstands. It must be something uh, uh, mind-blowing for the players involved. For the players at Ron Massey and Sydney Shield level, it's almost something close to the norm, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. I mean, we'd probably do quite well at the moment with, with the no crowds there. We'd probably be used to it, but it, it does look funny. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I watched the first 20 minutes of that game just down Penrith and from George and Awara, and it looked like a training run. I could see the guys had intensity and everything was was as they would usually do it, but without a crowd there and, and um, without any atmosphere, it just looks like a glorified training run to me. But, um, you know, I understand why they have to keep playing these games and it's good to have some sort of footy on, but it definitely doesn't feel the same. I think anybody who says it does feel the same um, probably hasn't watched enough football. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right, well, look, we'll leave it at that. We've taken you away from, uh, from the kids and she who must be obeyed. It's probably a, a good excuse to get away from... Some of the chores for now, but some of the others, I suppose, you you can't get away from. Uh, we'll try and keep in touch um, over these next, I don't know, however long this may go for. We know that at least it's going to be for the next couple of months until May 31 for now. Let's hope it's not for longer. I fear it might be, um, but we'll watch this space with great interest. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Pat, and... Uh, well, enjoy the hiatus as much as possible. Most importantly, though, stay safe. Yeah, you too, Tony. Thanks for having me again, mate. Cheers. Indeed. Pat Wisner, he is the Asquid Magpies coach, almost in exile right now. Just before we go to the break, some of what Pat touched on there, a lot of these unintended consequences of decisions like this that mm. you don't see are certainly going to be played out in households amongst these players. Now, look, there are lots of people that are going to be doing it tough. Um, some of these players, maybe some of those people doing it tough over these next few months whilst we grind to a halt here. Which is why I, I, I'm frustrated by some of the comments that are made by some of the first-grade players that they're, you know, they're whinging that they, they might have to take a pay cut. But the reality is that 
it, you know, some people don't have a choice. And uh, what makes me laugh is some of them, I think it was Adam Fanua Blake came out and said, oh, you know, you've got a contract, you know, agree to it. I'm like, well, that's the sort of the pot calling the kettle black, a player sticking to a contract rules in NRL. I mean, but, what a joke. But, what an considering that there are lo- mm, yeah. And considering there are lots of players at this level of the game at Massey and Shield that would yes. give their left you-know-what for a shot. And as Pat said, there are some guys who have to work. He mentioned there are some baggage handlers no. who have now all of a sudden, um, very shortly are about to be stood down with no money from anywhere. But it is, a, it is short-sightedness as well because, as I said, there are con- clauses in the contracts, Acts of God, this t- does come under it, where payments can be adjusted in times like this. But it is short-sighted in the fact that if they want all this money, the club so longer has no money, how do they keep getting paid in the future? Like that—that's got to be. What it's so short-sighted. What do I, I say about governing bodies and people in sport and a lack of foresight? It's every damn week. But the thing is, though, under these circumstances, they weren't left with much of a choice. The New South Wales rugby. We're going to try and speak to someone from there in yeah. coming weeks as to how they came to this decision. They look. It's circumstan- not an easy decision. Circumstances have, have, have forced them. Got to remember, we haven't even touched on the fact that we've got two international sides. I mentioned the New Zealand Warriors have been excused from the Canterbury Cup. The Fiji Silk Tails, who had that massive win first up last weekend in the Ron Massey Cup, well, they can't enter the country and no one can go to Fiji either, so they're virtually quarantined. They're pretty much mm. gone for the year. So you've already compromised your competition if you do come back, especially if the travel bans still stay in place. I think for people that are struggling out there, there's obviously people that you can call and and, and chat to as well. But 13, do, 11, 14 for Lifeline for a start. Which is which is great, and we, we, they, we do thank for them for all the help they can. But just remember, there are places out there that are looking for people to work now, the, the supermarkets and stuff like that. They have come out in the media saying they are looking for extra people to help with what's going on at the moment. So you can see the career sites of all those different uh, retailers. They'll be calling for people. So if you are in that position, you do need to get some funds coming in. Please go and uh, support it. As said, there are companies out there that need the hand that can pay well. Um, so make sure you, you check them out. Pat Weissman trying to keep up a brave face there, but certainly you can feel the frustration bubbling not too far from the surface. It'll be a frustration that will be shared by all sports followers in the long weeks and months of dormancy ahead. All right, time to take a break then on this first of many special editions, COVID-19 editions that is, of Splinters. We'll take a break and we'll come back on the other side to speak with Chips Carroll from the Hornsby Lions and our own Zoe Benjamin from a women's cricket perspective as this episode of Splinters continues. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and also afterwards at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts too. Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, etc. 
This is the first of a number of special COVID-19 editions of Splinters as we look at how the greatest pandemic emergency that has beset the world in a century is affecting sport life at a local grassroots level. In the first half of the program, we spoke with Pat Wiseman of the Asquith Magpies, so it made sense to start going around all the major codes after that. And the next uh, individual we spoke to on the bench last Friday night was Chips Carroll, the first grade coach of the Hornsby Lions. Also, we caught up with our own Zoe Benjamin, who as a first grade women's cricket player was also affected by decisions to cancel sport pretty much now blanketly across the board. I started by opening the discussions with Hornsby Lions rugby coach Chips Carroll. And now on the bench, let's look at the world of rugby union. Well, it's a rather reduced world of rugby union as we reach five minutes past seven. This uh, special coronavirus COVID-19 affected edition of the bench on a Friday night as we head into a weekend, uh, one of those old-fashioned austerity weekends. And when you go back to read stories of wartime, of austerity, uh, raceless and footballless and sportless Saturdays, we're, we're about to head into one of them, the first of many, one suspects. In the world of rugby union, of course, we mentioned, we forgot to mention at the top of the show, the Super Rugby competition is in hiatus indefinitely now that the drawbridges have been drawn up on both sides of the Tasman. No travel in and out of Australia. Automatic 14-day self-isolation into New Zealand, um, let alone any travel in and out of South Africa or Southeast Asia. And from a local perspective, on the local front, the New South Wales Rugby Union announced their uh, postponement during the week of all competitions, including the Central Coast competition, until the first week of May at the earliest. To discuss that, as mentioned at the top of the show, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be speaking to people on the front line at local grassroots club level to see how it's affecting them. We've just spoken to Pat Wiseman from the Asquith Magpies. Time to speak to his counterpart at the Hornsby Lions. The first grade coach, Chips Carroll, he's on the line now making his bench debut. Good evening to you, sir. I'd like to have been calling you under much better circumstances. Yeah, good evening. Uh, Likewise. All right. Well, tell us about um, what's happened at the Hornsby Lions uh, when you got the announcement or the word or when rumours were coming out from the New South Wales Rugby Union about and the Central Coast Rugby Union about the future of this competition. And I also understand there was a, a special emergency meeting convened of the Hornsby Lions committee last night. Yeah, I think we got the, the initial uh, directive on Monday. Uh, it didn't really come as a shock, because, you know, as you well know, it, it's impacted all around, and it was half expected, but, I mean, it's still a shock. I mean, you know, uh, it's not ideal, but we had to deal with it. As as for the, the meeting convened last night, it was just to get another directive from our, our club as to what we can and couldn't do with regards to player welfare and all that sort of stuff, bearing in mind that, Obviously, the player welfare and everybody else and, uh, involved in the club is at the forefront of what we are thinking. Now, speaking of which, um, the restrictions on training uh, in this period until, at this stage, the first week of May, May the 2nd, uh, Central Coast Rugby Union have announced that they want to start, fingers crossed, on May 16, with a view that two weeks of training leading up to May 16 will get players into some sort of shape for the season. How do you... 
arrange or organise or keep on top of player fitness or like or the or otherwise in the lead up between now and then? Well, I, you know, that's kind of a minefield for us because we can't really advise players as a group because the director says that there's no training or uh, playing and, and you know, individually I think they can get out and sustain their fitness levels, which I think a lot of them are doing. Just, uh, you know, uh, reading between the lines from a few of the boys who have seen chats. So I think they're uh, they're all out there doing their own individual stuff, which is good. But I mean, uh, it's tough for everybody. You know, we're all in the same boat and you got to do what you got to do. So come the, the season proper, like in two weeks' time uh, in May when we get off, uh, everybody's, you know, as prepared as they can be. Okay, what about... Um we mentioned with Pat, there's the, the scenario, okay, if someone wants to go to, if one of your players wants to go to a gym and all of a sudden they go to this gym and, oops, uh, there's someone standing out the front with a counter saying, you know what, we've already got 100 people in here. Um, sorry, can you wait for someone to leave? A lot of players are going, you know what, damn this, I'm off home. And then they miss out on training and then all of a sudden bad habits can start. It's a little bit different at the amateur level of the game, but you can't turn up to the start of a season not uh, completely unfit, can you? Yeah, and again, it comes down to the individual. But, I mean, we've had such a great pre-season uh, this year that everybody's bought into what we're after. And, I mean, it's indicative of uh, what the committee have done behind the scenes with regards to sponsors and finding us fields to train on and all that goes into the you know the inner workings of a club and... We've uh, actually, exp- our numbers have exploded and, and not only with the, the regular players, but we've, you know, we've attracted some uh, pretty high-profile uh, players as well. So, and them being part of the leadership group, I know they're out there, you know, urging, urging the boys to get out and sustain their, their fitness levels. But as regards to going to the gym, you know, there, there are other ways you can get around it, like go for a run, do some shuttles, you know, just a general uh, upkeep of your own fitness. So, I mean... I don't think that'll impact us uh, anyway, but I mean, two weeks if everybody keeps their fitness levels up, we'll be fine. What? How disappointing then has it been that you've had this build-up, you've attracted these players, uh, you've had this good uh, pre-season. Um, clearly, the Lions' third season in the Central Coast Rugby Union, they've got a feel for the competition now. They don't want to make up the numbers. They don't want to run near last. They want to go close to even possibly making finals or giving the bigger guns of the competition, the Gosfords and the Woi Woi, something to think about. How disappointing has it been that the rug has been pulled out from under you like this? Oh, very. But, I mean, I think, you know, it, it applies right across the, the whole spectrum of the rugby uh, fraternity. So we're, we're no better off or, or worse off than anybody else. But, you know, just because of the, the pre-season we've had, and it, it is disappointing, you know, uh, but what can we do? Now... You say that when you get back, there's this optimism out there about we will come back. Um, what is the gut feeling of yourself about whether we will come back? Because we could be one spike of cases away from more drastic measures, possible lockdowns, and then that pushes the date back. And then you're running into the, the possibility of a July-August start. And then if you start that late in the season, well, it could be... No season at all. What's the what's your gut feeling about it? Oh, uh, selfishly and from a sporting point of view, you know, I'd, I'd obviously like it to go ahead, but to be realistic, uh, and you know the way the things are going, 
uh, you know, initially started with 500 people gathering, then it's 100, and it'll be 50, then 20s, and 10. So I mean, safety is safety-wise, and and for the for the benefit, I guess, of, of the whole world, you know, I, I don't think it'll go ahead. How disappointing then would it be if we have 2020 written off and trying to come back in 2021? How hard would it be to get some of these players to come back next year? I don't think it'll be that hard because, like I said, you know, the, the vibe in the whole, the, around the whole club, and that includes juniors, Colts, women, you know, it's been collectively uh, great. So, I mean, and they're all, they're all uh, hyped up for the season and I, they understand where everybody is now. And the general consensus we got last night was that everybody's, if there is no season, they're, they're pretty keen to still come back next year. And if I was a betting man, I would say that uh, it would actually get bigger for us next year. Well, that's great to hear. Um, it's just disappointing that, you know, it, we may have to go through this pain first. I know that we at Triple H were looking very much forward to broadcasting all nine home games at Mark Taylor Oval on those nine Saturday afternoons as they were scheduled uh, uh, this season. You haven't heard anything from the Central Coast Rugby Union about a revised draw because that's obviously what it would be. They're saying that they'll try and get everyone to play each other once. That would mean those nine home games only become, at best, four or five. Yeah, we're, uh, we haven't heard anything as of yet, but I'm expecting something within the next week because, you know, it's got to be sustainable and, you know, for not only the clubs to survive, but for everybody else to buy into it and then get ready, of course, and then uh, we hit the season running. I'm forever hopeful. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic, but again, you know, the reality sets in and for safety of everybody, you know, you've got to look at the bigger picture. What about uh, uh, yourself personally? Your wife's very heavily involved, Dee, uh, as club manager. Um, uh, how do you go about this period of hiatus? Has Dee started uh, throwing some of the house chores at you to uh, try and uh, uh, keep yourself occupied? Have you tried to get away from them and um, go to the shops to buy that extra roll of toilet paper? How, what's the story? <laughs> yeah, I think I've been... Uh... <laughs> Seconded to do more painting, more mowing of lawns and more dishes around the house. So, I mean, you know, now we will survive. It's going to be weird, though, I've got to be honest, because for the last, boy, I can't remember how long, we've never been without rugby. So it's going to be different, but, you know, we'll cope. Hopefully uh, we'll cope. That's what YouTube and all those old replays are are coming for. Now, what about, what about, uh, from your perspective, you know, being from the other side of the ditch, how do you go about negotiating the, the drawbridge being drawn up with no one going in, no one going out and um, even if you did manage to sneak across uh, to NZ, the 14 day self-isolation, how hard is that going to be over these coming weeks and months to deal with? Oh, you know the director's been sent down by the government so I mean we just have to abide by it unfortunately uh, we've got lots of family back there but we've also got a lot of family over here so you know we won't miss them in that aspect but uh, yeah, it's tough. Like I said, you know, it's tough for everybody. So, I mean, we're, we're not in an isolated uh, incident. So, you know, we'll just have to get through these next few weeks, months maybe, and then see how we come out the other side. Now, what is the uh, the schedule from here? Uh, the Lions obviously are going to meet again. The committee will meet again in, in coming weeks. Is there a meeting planned for next week, the week after? Or are we, is there going to be a meeting planned closer to this May 2 uh, date that the Central Coast Rugby Union and Rugby New South Wales have said? I think they believe, I believe they, they meet once a month or, or you know, uh, 
fortnightly, but yeah, there'll be something. If not, we'll, we'll call an impromptu meeting like we did last night just to discuss things and run run the rule over everything and see where we go from there. Again, we, you know, we're, we're hamstrung because of the directive that's been handed down, but we'll certainly look at uh, keeping the club sustainable in, in, in those few weeks and then hopefully when the, the word comes down that we can go, we, uh, we go. Um, if you do start... Um, are you confident that you can make uh, some headway and make your way up the table this year, no matter how short the season is? Absolutely. I actually think of it the shorter season. It may work in our favour. But after last week, the uh, the boys and the girls, well, everybody really, uh, their fitness levels were, were pretty much on point. So, you know, we're... Uh, our enthusiasm is, is the thing that's, that's created a lot of optimism and the calibre of player that's there now, uh, you know, again, it's enhanced that uh, belief that everybody's got. So we're looking forward to the season, actually. Uh, lastly, um, I think the gut feel, I think you, you may have answered this, but do you, the gut feel in your mind, I asked Pat Wise to this and uh, I'm going to ask every coach this that we speak to this week and next week, uh, that is affected. Um, what's your gut feel about this season? Do you think you'll even get on a tour, or is this going to be it? It's no, a tough, it's a tough one. I know. Yeah, it is. I, I can't see it myself, but I, because you know, with all the professional sports uh, falling over, you know, on a daily basis, I, I can't really see how they can justify letting club players, you know, be exposed to all those sorts of things when the professional level is not doing it. And I mean. Again, you know, paramount to everything is, is the safety for everybody. Indeed, indeed. All right, then, Chips. Well, look, stay safe. We will keep in touch as this develops over the next few weeks and months as we get closer to these deadlines that have been set by the various governing bodies. The rugby union deadline appears to be May 2 at this stage with the possibility of a start on May 16. Let's cross all of our fingers that... Perhaps um, we can get through this quicker than it is anticipated, um, but we will keep in touch for sure, and we will talk again, hopefully again under better circumstances. Chips, thank you so much for your time tonight, and please stay safe and get away from those painting chores as much as possible. <laughs> You're welcome, and thank you for your time. And now on the bench, it's time to look at the world game. Time to look at soccer. Well, what's left of soccer at the moment? There aren't too many leagues going on around the world, but... The A-League is continuing, and the W-League reaches its climax. Stunning and brave. In this tomorrow afternoon, Melbourne victory, uh, sorry, Melbourne City, the star-studded, unbeaten, full of Matildas, some of whom could be playing for the last time ever, or maybe for a long time, in the W-League, take on Sydney FC tomorrow, uh, 3.30, and uh, to discuss that, and also how the NPL... Um, stoppage for four weeks has affected her as a referee at the grassroots. Well, we go no further than our own women's sports expert, Zoe Benjamin, who's online now. Good evening to you, Zoe, and are you staying safe? Is that face mask on? <laughs> uh, definitely indoors, you know, following the social distancing and uh, self-isolation, like, um, like I'm being told. Um, but... Uh, Tell you what, I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored. <laughs> You're bored there's now. Not a lot of to watch. There's not. There's not much to watch. But what? there will be. There will be coming up. We've got a great final ahead of us. Well, what about this grand final tomorrow? 
Um, Melbourne City start short price favourites. Sydney FC have, have Sydney FC have pushed them at times this season, but you've really got to favour uh, the ladies in the sky in the sky blue with the little cross on the corner, don't you? Yeah, look, they've had such a convincing win in the semi-final. It was five-one, wasn't it, against um, Western Sydney Wanderers? Yeah, and they've they've just they've put in the performances all year. Um, they're in defence. They've managed to keep teams just grind them out of the game, keep keep their defence tight. And um, as the season's gone on, they've they've managed to more and more goals as we saw in that in that final. They started off the year um, very much just holding possession, keeping possession, getting that one goal and then being able to defend their lead and um, they've been able to, to rack up the goals later in the season and they've really just timed their run perfectly. What about Sydney FC though? They uh, scrambled home over Melbourne victory last week to uh, make this uh, grand final and give themselves a shot at back-to-back titles. Uh, to go back to the, uh, the they, don't, they have to go back and draw upon the performance at the home of football in Sydney, Congress Jubilee Oval in that grand final 12 months ago, don't they? Yeah, well absolutely like, they're an experienced side they, they know how to play finals footy and you'd expect them to be at their best on their game and, and ready ready to come up against the Melbourne City that, 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 they, that they've tested, as you said um, during the season um, I think Having played that final last year, that's going to only hold them in good stead. Like I said, they're, they're experienced campaigners for, for these final series. What about uh, the uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic emergency? I mean, you're a referee at the NPL level or the uh, grassroots level of the game. When did you hear the word about the uh, suspension? Uh, when did it come across your desk this week? Um, so it came to me, I think, Monday or Tuesday, um, and basically all, all grassroots football, including MPL, um, suspended for about four weeks. Um, we've had a revised draw um, in, the, in our local comp for hopefully the 18th of April. Um, I'm not too sure about um, a revised draw for MPL. At the moment, I think they're waiting slightly um, to see how things play out with the virus. But, um, yeah, at the moment, no no training um, and, yeah, no grassroots football, including things like football, um, all, all suspended at the moment. Well, how hard is that for people like yourselves, like yourself, who are involved in the game and you have to do your own training but how do you do your own training and keep social distancing and if you go to a gym and there's a hundred people in there and there's someone standing at the door saying you can't get in you gotta wait for we gotta wait for two people to leave before you can come in how do you how do you deal with that yeah look it's really falling to the players to, to to do as they feel they need to for their own game um of course trying to stay match fit when you're not able to, to train as a team for, for things like soccer um, and and keep match fitness when you're not able to play trial games during the for the for the year for, for local comps. But and the MPL season has only just kicked off, and so having to stop and restart um, is really going to take a hit for the players. But you know, these the teams are professionals; they they know what they're doing, and and especially your senior players like 
they know how to take care of themselves. Of course, they're going to put their health first. If they can't train for a little bit, then that that's what's going to take priority. But um, a bit of a bit more responsibility and onus on the on the players to be doing their own training away from the team and away from the game and um, just trying to keep fit any way they can. Is football New South Wales optimistic? Are they reaching above and beyond thinking that this is all going to blow over in four weeks? Are they? Is it a realistic time frame that they're going to be back on the park as soon as the week after Easter? Or is it going to be uh, a hopeful date that they can refocus, relook? Uh, because if things get worse, there's no way they're going to be back on the park in mid-April. No, you're right there, Tony. Look, I think that... The priority for football New South Wales is, is, is keeping a balance here. One is player safety, of course, and um, and and following health guidelines and and guidelines from the government as well about about how we should handle situations around the COVID virus. Um, so I think that they've done the right thing by suspending the tournament. I think, as as you said, you got to put you got to put players and families first. Um, but I think. The thing that they have to balance as well is that no one wants to not be playing. Obviously, obviously, yes, health comes first. But no one does. No one wants to be sitting and waiting for soccer to come back for a month. So I think what they had to do was come up with a revised date, which wasn't going to send people into panic about the fact that we didn't know when there was going to be the restart of our season. Um, but at the same time, it's not a date that can't be revised again. Um, the other thing that sport is going to have a massive issue with is if it is a pandemic that goes on for a number of months, is shortened seasons or um, and and how that fits in with the crossover between our winter and summer sport um, and ground allocation for those sports. Um, of course, the crossover from cricket which is now you know done at a local pretty much done at a local level um when that eventually starts back up again cricket's been done all across the board in australia full stop uh, yeah. unfortunately yeah so when that crosses over again it's it, they've they've got a they've got a date that they've got to complete the seasons by and so it'll be really interesting to see how they manage that situation um and, and sport's not the only thing that's popping it. You're seeing you're seeing the same thing with timetables for semesters and trimesters uh, at universities, and the way they're having to reschedule and manage um, their their subjects and online, like trying to transfer their studies online. So it, it's it's something that's taken a massive hit to to every aspect in life, jobs as well, um, businesses trying to trying to stay afloat like uh, even though sport is a big part of a lot of our our lives unfortunately it, it, it just had to take a back seat to this at the moment what's your gut feeling do you think we're going to get back on the field this season because my gut feeling is is we're bunkered down for months of this until we get a vaccine that's really the the final solution to this um and only four weeks for football new south wales i think is I wouldn't quite say fairyland, but it's in the ballpark. Yeah, look, the, the concern with this virus is limiting the spread 
um, because of the effect that it's having on those that are in a high-risk bracket. Um, and unfortunately, everyone has someone related to them that's within that bracket. So all of us have to take responsibility for our own health at the moment. And although I'm quite an optimist, optimistic person that if everyone, you know, does that little bit that um, we can speed up the process, it's, it's, it's a very complicated thing that I probably don't have my head around like a lot of other people don't. Um, and we're going off the advice from people who know more about it and that's, that's the best thing that we can do right now. So even though I'd love to say, yes, I'm optimistic, let's get on the field, let's be playing sport, if we're being told that that's not not what's going to help, then, you know, that's, that's what we've got to listen to. All right. Uh, finally, before we let you go, how disappointing was it that you weren't able to get on the field to play that semi-final against Penrith, as it would have turned out to be? It would have been a cracking semi-final this weekend. Uh, possibility of playing against the big three, Stalinberg, Griffith and Litchfield. You would have had all your big guns available in uh, Campbell's uh, Dark, Treneman, uh, et al. Uh, it would have been a cracking semi-final at Howell as it turned out. Um, but it's all come to naught. The Lady Rangers of Northern District did scrape into the final four on the back of a washout against Gordon. But in the end, those uh, couple of matches that Alyssa Healy and Rachel Haynes came back for <laughs> to smash some wins was enough to get the Sydney Tigers their title. Yeah, look, it's, it's disappointing. And I know both first grade, second grade... Um, uh, are disappointed to have the comps end this way, especially first grade. We had such a tight comp this year, and um, it was going to be such a such a fantastic final series to see, you know, who was going to be able to go all the way. Um, we would have we would have been missing um, Sophie and Beth, who had returned home to, to England, so that would have been um, a, a really interesting game for us against Penrith um, and a real tester to see what we could do moving forward. Um, but Sydney played a fantastic season. They they were able to just keep the ball rolling and keep keep getting wins under their belt. Um, Northern District fell away at the end, but they started very very strong as well. So you had you had four teams there that were in quite good form. Northern District maybe not quite in the nick of form that they had started in, but had had form earlier in the season and. Um, yeah, it, it's disappointing, but well-deserved for Sydney. You know, they, they finished first, so you can't say that they weren't the best team throughout the competition. Um, and, yeah, they they take they take the trophy in the end. They take the trophy in the end. I know you're, you're, you're probably upset and not happy that the AFL, which we'll discuss at the back end of the program, uh, took the course of action they did in going straight to the finals for the AFLW the way they did and pulled the rug out of the last two rounds from underneath them whilst breaking over in carbuncles to get the uh, AFL on the paddock? Yeah, look, <laughs> they, they've, they've done what, the, that, what they thought was best for the code, I suppose, um, but not a decision that, you know, I think should have been taken lightly and, and perhaps, perhaps a, a panic or rush rush solution um, and not one I'm sure a lot of women watching watching and following and supporting those um, 
those teams in the AFLW would have appreciated. But in the end, it is again, it is what it is, and it's just, the situation at the moment. No one was prepared or had had things in place or could have anticipated. So you have to just kind of pop it on the shoulder and responses that you know sports codes are taking. Everyone's everyone's doing what they think is is best, and that's all you can really ask in the end. All right, um, those matches in the final series: North Melbourne versus Collingwood at uh, uh, the Old Princess Park at twelve forty tomorrow. The GWS Giants play their finals, the curtain raiser, to a men's AFL fixture later in the day. Uh, that's at 2.40 out at the showgrounds. All these games are going to be played in front of empty stadiums, of course. Fremantle playing the Gold Coast Suns uh, at uh, Fremantle Oval uh, in the Twilight Zone tomorrow evening. And then on Sunday afternoon, back at Princes Park, Carlton versus the Brisbane Lions. So no Adelaide Crows. They missed out on the finals. Some um, rumblings from out of Adelaide that uh, they weren't given the opportunity to play those last two rounds to scrape into the finals. But four very good finals matches in week one of the AFLW finals, which we can discuss in more detail next week. Zoe, you stay safe. We will catch up soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tony. Yes, a disappointment shared by Zoe and by Chips and by Pat, which all sports followers are feeling. It's natural to feel that at the moment. But eventually, as mentioned by all, it is about the health and safety of us all as we get through this pandemic emergency. Coming up next week on Splinters, we uh, look at how other codes, Australian Rules Football, the Australian game, cricket and the world game football at a local level are affected, have been affected and will continue to be affected in coming days, weeks and months. Stay safe, everyone. Maintain your social distance. Keep washing your hands and help us all get through this to the other side when we can all enjoy what we enjoy the most, life and sport again in hopefully the not-too-distant future. Until then... From this episode of Splinters, my name is Tony Dose and the Sultan saying goodbye.